Patriots' first preseason game in the books. We talk with Mac Jones and Devin McCourty. The Bruins bringing back Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci. We hear from them. And we check in on what's going on with the Red Sox as well, including a former Red Sox star is now coaching the Cape League. This is the Press Pass. I am Chris Ryan. Who cares really about the preseason game? I'm pushing that all to the side. We watched the Patriots a little bit at training camp, and you know their offense has struggled. In the last day before you know, they took the uh, day off prior to the game against the Giants, the Patriots did lose that game 23-21, but who cares? Um, the offense started to look a little bit better. But days prior to that, they had struggled big time with offensive execution, the defense way ahead of the Patriots' offense. And in most places, not a big deal, right? It's practice, to quote Allen Iverson. So, But it, it's different here. It's different in the fact that the Patriots don't have a defined offensive play caller. There's a lot of focus on that side of the football, Mac Jones, sophomore season. But so far, we didn't see any of the starters in the preseason game. Another one of the reasons we're pushing that to the backdrop. The Patriots have a lot of questions on the offensive side of the football. A lot of talent, but a lot of questions still. And we haven't really seen solid, consistent execution during training camp where the Patriots' offense has been going up against the defense. I talked with Mac Jones about that. Mac, how do you feel that your fr- the frustration you've experienced and, and expressed can lead to personal growth for you and for you know, the team as a whole? Have you seen positives in that vein? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to figure it out. I always have and I always will. And um, at the end of the day, you're going to have your ups and downs with anything new. But I've learned a lot of different systems, and the guys around me have too. And we, we know what football looks like. We know what a good play looks like and the schematics behind it. It's not just the result. It's the process of how it looks run play, hat on a hat, pass protection, hat on a hat, and then the guys getting open, which they've done, just needs to be more consistent. And uh, we, we all trust in each other. At the end of the day, when I walk on the field and there's 10 people that look into my eyes, I know that they're going to trust me to do the right thing on game day. So where are things at for the Patriots defense? Here is Devin McCourty. Dev, what do you like about this defense so far, particularly when it comes to you know the speed and athleticism? Do you sense there's been gains from last year in that area? I leave that to you guys and the scouts. I, I, I love the effort, um, the communication. We feel, I feel like we have a lot of guys that understand the defense as a whole. Um, we always talk about, as a defensive player, you're going to be out there. We're going to get situations that we don't really talk about or that we don't know is going to come up. And I think guys have done a good job of being out there and fixing things. Like This isn't exactly how we drew it up. The offense has given us a look that's a little different, and guys have been fixing those things. And I, I always get excited about that because that's what this league is. All of the offensive coordinators and quarterback, they're all too good to think that we're going to come out and know everything you're going to do every week. So we got to be able to transform, get in and out of different looks, play different things week by week. Um, and I think guys have been doing that. So I'm excited about that. And ultimately it comes down to what do you do and how do you perform execution-wise uh, when you get out there on game day. And um, I'm excited to see what that looks like for us. Patriots back on the practice field on Monday. They have a couple joint practices with the Carolina Panthers scheduled this week as well before they take on Carolina in the second preseason game next Friday night. Now to the Boston Bruins hitting out of the two-hole on the press pass today. This because Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci 
coming back to the bees. Bees making that announcement, although the decision was made several weeks ago, according to both players, to return to the Boston Bruins. Of course, the offseason has been a tumultuous one for the Bruins after losing in the first round. They let go of head coach Bruce Cassidy, but kept general manager Don Sweeney, a move which created a lot of criticism in the New England sports region. But... A lot of that's starting to subside now that Krejci is back, Bergeron is back, and these two are going to give it perhaps a final chance to win a Stanley Cup this year, both on one-year contracts. I talked first with Patrice Bergeron. Hey, Patrice, congrats. Thank you. I'm curious as you've been talking about you know your, your love of the game and kind of perspective through the, the course of the Zoom. Um, you know, how that's kind of evolved and changed from the beginning of your career to the now. And as you're kind of staring at not playing, um, how did it kind of, you know, kind of crystallize the thought process of what hockey, what the Bruins mean to you? Yeah, I think it's a great question. I think the, first of all, when you're, you're, you're coming up when you're younger, when you're 18, 19, 20 years old, you're only focused in the, I guess in, in, in the future and, and you don't really uh, take everything. Um, you take everything for granted, I should say. And, and you're kind of like going from one year to the next. And obviously you're trying to get better. You're trying to win, but you're, you, you don't really realize how fast it goes, how important it is to, to soak everything in and, and to really appreciate the moment and appreciate the, um, as I said before, the friendships that you, uh, you build over the years and the, uh, you know how special it is to be playing in this league, and 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 you know how hard you've worked to to get to that point too, and and to really uh, you've worked so hard, you might as well you know soak it in and 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 make the best of it, and and you know try to really enjoy every moment. And I think to me, is is the, the one thing that over the over the years, and as you you grow older, you you realize and and you try to appreciate more and. Um, not that I didn't appreciate earlier. It was more just a different mindset because it's, you're so young and, um, full of energy and you don't really think twice. You just want to kind of move on. And, um, and I think over the years you realize that you have to cherish every moment and, and that you're not, you're not going to see those again, unfortunately. So, uh, that they're special. Here is David Krejci. Wasn't you speak like I'm, I'm hearing a lot of you know, kind of like unfinished business and things that, you know, your relationships and maintaining those with your teammates and outside of that. And also, you know, on the ice in terms of being a competitive player in the NHL and, and winning a championship. Is that a big theme for you that you felt like you had, you know, more to, to give in this role? And that was kind of um, driving your decision. I, I, I feel like I have a lot to offer still. Um, I know people talk about my age, but it's just a number. Um, um, I, f- I feel I'm in good shape. And yeah, obviously, I, I'm coming back to try to go all the way. right? But uh, I've been in the league a long time, so I know what it takes to make the playoffs and then uh, and go all the way. So just uh, one step at a time. Um, I know we have some injury- injuries early on, some key players. So we're going to miss those guys for sure. Um, but um, hey, maybe that's going to bring our team uh, closer right at the beginning. Um, and uh, that would be good, you know. So. And just final thing for me, how 
how much does it do you think it drives you and Bergy, you know, and Marshy to to get that second championship as as a group? Is that a big big thing for you? Oh yeah, it's uh, you know the older you get, you don't really care about uh, the individual stats, goals, assists, and stuff like that. Uh, all you care is about um, you know the team success, uh, and and that's why I'm coming back. Uh, I've been with those guys for a long time, and uh, most of them are going to be on the team this year. So that's uh, that's amazing, and uh, that's that's why I'm coming back. You know, I want to play with those guys, and uh, I want to make a push with those guys as well. David Krejci right there for the Red Sox. More bad news this week. They lost both games to the Braves. Did get a win against the Orioles. Yankees in this weekend. But this was on the Chris Sale front as a press release came across uh, during the day on Tuesday. They indicated that Chris Sale had successful surgery. And I was wondering, well, what did he have surgery on? I thought they were to repair the fracture of his pinky. And then... The information started to come out that Chris Sale was involved in a bicycle accident while uh, after throwing at Boston College, went home, parked the car, decided to go out on the bike, pick up some lunch, and apparently going downhill, lost control, fell on his right wrist, and fractured it. So another injury for Sale. Over the last couple years, it's been Tommy John, it's been a rib injury, for, then the pinky injuries, the ball came back at him at Yankee Stadium, and now his season ends as a result of having to um, have surgery on his right wrist, which was fractured, falling off a bike. I talked with Red Sox Chief Baseball Officer Heim Bloom about the string of bad luck for sale. Where do you sense things are at for him in terms of kind of the emotional side of things, where he's been frustrated with his inability to live up to his contract, and this is obviously another as you mentioned, kind of a freak situation where he, you know, obviously would like to be back with his team is unable to do so. Yeah. Um, it's a lot for anybody. Uh, and even for Chris, who is, as you guys know, one of the more mentally strong people you'll meet. Um, it, 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 it's a lot. And certainly through uh, the Tommy John rehab and some of the various things that uh, he's endured, he's, there have been some low points. Uh, he's talked about those of, of, of having to keep himself on track and keep his eye on the light at the end of the tunnel. I've talked to him a bunch over the last few days, checking in on him, talking, texting. Um, he's obviously pretty down, uh, but, um, you know, been through this before, uh, has a roadmap. Uh, this is obviously a little bit of a different sort of incident, but, um, you know, I, I think he knows and we know that he's going to, he's going to power through and, and he'll be fine. And, um, you know, he'll, uh, He'll be back out there. One of the best stories in baseball this year has been the Baltimore Orioles and playing a role in that story, Ryan McKenna from Dover, New Hampshire. The outfielder hitting 257 is a key defensive fixture in the group, but a role player on the team, a part-time player, platoon player with the Baltimore Orioles, but has had a strong standout season in th- this year as compared to previous seasons. I talked with the 25-year-old at Fenway Park as the Orioles visited on Thursday. So we're joined by the pride of Dover, New Hampshire, Ryan McKenna, and what's been one of the best stories of the year, the Baltimore Orioles in a Fenway Park last night. And first, let's go through the season for you. What's it, what's it been like? What have been some of the adjustments you've made this year? And, and how are things going? Yeah, this year's been awesome, obviously. Um, you know, I think being a part of this team has been something special so far. And um, for me personally, it's been, you know, a really positive journey. I think learning... Um, 
you know, how to just attack every day and help the team win for me and um, has been a really, really good process and getting more comfortable, um, which is kind of the whole scenario, um, you know, being up here. And uh, it's been great. Um, you know, I think for me, learning how to attack um, certain pitchers when I'm potentially going to go in the game or, you know, learning the situations mm -hmm. on a daily basis of where I can contribute has been a big part of um, what I've been doing this year. And, you know, when I do get a, a start, um, you know, being prepared as well. So That's one of the, the major challenges for any player in that you were a star guy coming up through, you know, New Hampshire and Maine and obviously up until, you know, this point. And then you're a player on a team, you have to find a role and you have to find a niche and you have to figure out how that works. How, how challenging was that for you and did you and, – did you figure out easily, this is how I can help the team win, whether it's my defense, whether it's base running, playing every couple days against a lefty? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, you know, I think you kind of hit it on the, the nail on the head. I think watching the game is one of the biggest things. And, you know, just not, not worrying about anything personal. You know, you're on a team to win. You know, we're not any one guy will, you know, win a game. It's, it's a team effort. Um, you know, and watching the game and being a student of the game allows you to – you know, when you do get in, it makes everything simpler. It slows everything down. You know the situations. You know what's going on. You know how to prepare for the guy that's pitching, what his pitches look like, how he attacks, you know, certain guys. And um, it just slows it down. And I think being a student of the game and loving the game um, just kind of allows that freedom to happen for you as a player and allow your ability to come out. And, you know, it's not about, like I said, it's not about one guy. Um, you know, we're, we're here as a team to win. So... What's it like for you coming back to Fenway still? Obviously, you've done this before, but it's got to be, you know, the stop for you this season, being about an hour from your hometown of Dover. Yeah, it's always uh, a surreal moment. Um, you know, I, it doesn't get old for me at all. I remember coming here when the Red Sox were in the hunt for that World Series and um, in 04 and watching on TV. And, you know, obviously, it's just there's so much history here. Um, it's unbelievable and so many talented players. And, um, yeah, I was able to sign the Green Monster last year, and um, you know, every time I come back, it's it's super special. I remember last uh, September when you were in, we talked, and you could see the pieces of this Orioles team being competitive at some point in the future. You could see the young stars. You had a, a vibe about you guys, even at that point when you weren't having the success you wanted. What, in your view, created this year, though, where you made that step and you've become a competitive team? You're ahead of the Red Sox in the standings and tied for the wild card. Yeah, I think um, it all started in the early parts of spring training this year for us. Um, you know, Mike Elias and Brandon Hyde, you know, came together and we had a meeting and, you know, said, hey, we're, our emphasis is winning this year. You know, this is where it starts. Um, you know, and they made some moves and they brought in some guys that they felt that could help this team. And, um, you know, along with talented players, I think personality-wise, we've all been meshing really, really, really well this year. Um, you know, and, and that's always a potent comp, um, combination when you got young, talented guys that are hungry for success. Um, they like being around every every day, being around each other. Um, they come to the ballpark ready and they prepare the right ways. Um, you know, it's been, I think that combination is you know, allowed our success. In watching you guys, do you feel like a team? Like being around this club just a little bit today, like you're out there greeting guys, everybody's, you know, in in tune but also you know with one another mm -hmm. um 
that feels like the theme of this youth group is it's you have really good players you mentioned but it seems like you know, this is a a team in all aspects of your bullpen is strong you can hit up and down the line of a lot of different aspects which make you guys gel yeah 100 percent um i think everything you said is is very accurate i you know obviously it's a test to everybody but our bullpen has been phenomenal this year i, I can't emphasize that enough um you know a lot of ball games were last year it might have slipped away in those you know, fifth, sixth innings, um, you know, has been really locked in and, and dialed in. They've been putting up a lot of zeros for us in big moments and, um, you know, allowing our offense to gain that momentum back, you know, allow us to stay in the game, stay engaged and, you know, pulling for every one of our guys offensively. So, um, yeah, it's just been unbelievable, you know, to be a part of. And I know there's a lot of season left and every one of these guys in the clubhouse is, is hungry for more and, we know um, we gotta we gotta really dial it in, you know, these next couple weeks here. So, um, yeah, it's been it's been a good ride. Ryan, thanks a lot. Yeah, thank you. One of the best players in baseball, a MVP caliber player, is Austin Riley, the third baseman for the Atlanta Braves. A lot of the hype is around Ronald Acuna Jr. with that team, but you look at the numbers and the acceleration of production from Austin Riley and that team is their success is largely based upon Riley. Of course, they are the defending World Series champions. He's only 25 years of age, but you look at what he has done in his first four pro seasons, and he's continued to get better and is one of those guys definitely on the upswing. So the Red Sox schedule brought in the World Series champion Atlanta Braves and one of the most exciting players, in my view, in baseball, Austin Riley. And it's been really interesting to watch your development from your first year to your second year where you came into Fenway Park as a guy who was viewed as a power hitter, power hitting third base. Could you kind of take me through your development from early on to now a really great all-around hitter? You know, I think it's just been the, you know, learning, you know, those adjustments that, that need to be made on a daily basis to, to be that, you know, that type of hitter that you know I really want to be a complete hitter not just you know I'm going to hit a bunch of homers I'm going to get on base um, I'm going to you know have some walks um, you know that's a lot of it has been you know just learning my, my swing and myself as a baseball player really it's just like you know how what kind of cues and adjustments that you know you have to make you know you know on a daily basis to, to be able to compete um, you know I think that's been the biggest thing and and, and you know in 19 when I came out um you know, I was, I was going really well, and I got really cold. You know, I kind of hit the panic button a little bit and just, you know, was trying – I was pressing a little bit, just trying to do too much. And, and I think I've learned a lot going through those struggles of just, you know, this game has its ebbs and flows, and it's about just, you know, riding that wave and, and, and trusting that, you know, your routines and your, your hard work in the cage and, and on the – you know, before games, after games, it, it's going to come out. Was there a particular moment or person or was it kind of, you know, an off season or COVID or that kind of it all – clicked for it because it felt like last year was the breakout year this year's kind of the okay I'm a superstar player year you know I think it's you know no like particular day or, or moment or any, anything that really just stuck out I you know I think you know I've especially from the hitting side I gotta give a lot of credit to, to my hitting coach Mike Brumley um you know he's he's been so good for me you know we've clicked from from the get-go and um you know I I rely on him a lot when when things aren't going really well for me and and um and and so I really got to give a lot of credit for him from a hitting standpoint of just you know learning like helping me learn my swing you know more than anything 
Going inside your stats, one of the things that's most interesting is your power has actually gotten better and improved as your strikeouts have gone down and, and your walks have gone up, as has the, the average. Do you think there's any you know, correlation between being more selective and being a quote-unquote better you know, power hitter? Are yeah. You, yeah. No, I think the biggest thing is just like, you know, I'm going up there with a plan, and I'm sticking yeah. to that plan. And if I can execute that plan, I, I really I give myself a chance to to do damage and not swing at bad pitches. Because guy stuff these days are so are so good. It's like you can't go up there and try to cover the whole plate. You got to you know pick one side and 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 and, and really just key on that and, and hope those guys make mistakes. And when they do, you can't miss them. Uh, and I think that's been the biggest thing for me is just you know learning how to put together a plan and going out there and executing it. What do you like about this ballpark? As I mentioned, you're here in the COVID year, and the only noise we heard was you, you know, hitting the monster with the baseball pretty much that that series as you guys beat up on the Red Sox. Uh, what do you like about this this ballpark, and are you a guy that's a little more modern amenities, or do you like the Wrigley, the uh, the Fenway? No, I'm definitely like, this is probably my number one, yeah. honestly. Um, just the, like I said, the history behind it. You know, Wrigley's an awesome field, um, but this one definitely – I've hit better here than Wrigley, so I, I think that that plays a part on it too. Um, but no, like I said, just the, the history—you know—you got the the chair out there, the Ted Williams. I mean, it's just like you know, you to be on a field those, those some of those guys, those iconic you know baseball players that came through is just—it's it, it kind of—it's pretty cool. Last thing I want to ask you, and it's you know one that baseball folks have been talking about for years. We haven't had a repeat champion, and the Red Sox obviously tried to do it and hasn't you know worked out for them four times a what do you notice about ch- what is challenging about trying to repeat as a champion and and b why do you think it hasn't been done you know i think the challenge is this is you know guys know, you kind of got a target on your back guys are going to come out and give you your best stuff you know day in and day out and, and you got to be ready to to come out and fight and um and I think, you know, this game is such a mental, you know, there's the mental side of the game is, is plays such a part in it. It's like, you know, you, it's almost like, it, it's just like, you, you know, like the Cubs and the curse. It's just like, you know, you, you, you talk about it so much. It's just like, oh, you start putting that unwanted pressure or whatever it may be. It's just like, hey, if, if, you know, I think, I think that kind of has some stuff to do with it. It's just like you said, it, and it's like I said, it's hard to win a World Series, and and to do two in a row, that you know, that's even even harder. So um, there's, I think there's many many challenges to it. Braves third baseman and MVP candidate Austin Riley, right there. We're going to conclude on the Cape League with an old friend, Jared Saltamakia, coach on the Born Braves, who won the Cape League this year. So the Bourne Braves won the uh, President's Trophy, best record in the regular season in the Cape League. And uh, part of that, Jared Saltamakia, Salty, World Series champion catcher for the Red Sox. What's this experience been like for you this year? Uh, it's been a lot of fun, you know, being around, you know, the college athletes, obviously. They are, you know, kind of on their little own journey to get to the big leagues. Um, you know, so you got a lot of athleticism, a lot of learning to do still. Um, but it's that upper-tier college player that I enjoy kind of being around. The Cape League, to me, is kind of a complete refresher, you know, to what baseball should be all about. And what's that been like, you know, for you? You've obviously been at the big league level. You've been out of the game a little bit. You've worked, obviously, with Nesson as well during that time period. But what's the, kind of the refresher been like in terms of 
maybe fall in love with the game a little bit more than, than you had previous? Yeah, well, I mean, it's not a business. You know, there comes a time where your career turns into having fun to almost a business, you know. Uh, trying to separate those two at the big league level can be tough at times because there's a lot of stuff that does in- involve some selfishness. But, um, you know, I-, I enjoy this part of it because these kids are all still learning. Um, they're all open ears. They're wanting to learn more and get better. Um, you know, they have goals of getting to the big leagues, you know, so this is kind of the journey and I'm glad I could just be able to be a part of it. You were always, you know, a great clubhouse guy and the person that was helping your teammates and on all that stuff in this mentor role though, like how is that different? Like how do you approach these guys with some of the lessons you've learned through your career? Uh, well, I mean, it's tougher when you're on the coaching side of it where you don't have any say in it really besides just what you kind of give them. Um, you know, as a player, you can kind of make your own adjustments and kind of control those things. But, you know, as a coach, you got to earn their trust first. Um, you know, once you earn their trust and they start to believe in what you got to say, um, you know, so that personable factor of getting to know them first and then learning, um, you know, teaching them. So I think that's been the biggest adjustment.